I won't take a long time just because I want to give him as much time as possible um, to minister this morning, but I want to share a couple of things. Nate, uh, Nate and I used to be on staff in um, Grant Haven, Michigan. We were at a church over in Grant Haven, and that's where I got to know him. And I, I have so many funny stories, just great things uh, that I could tell you, but we could get into another day. But I want to share this about Nate uh, as you're passing the buckets. Uh, Jess and I, we actually had the worst day of our life, and, uh, and I called Nate on that day. And uh, just had something happen at a church that we were at, and it was really kind of a, a slap in the face, sort of like... Um, we hit a brick wall and didn't see it coming, and uh, I called Nate, and I'm sure he doesn't even remember this, but I called Nate, and I was telling him the story, and so I was like, hey, Nate, and uh, through the last 10 years of ministry, sometimes you just have ups and downs in ministry, and I called Nate, and I said, hey, man, you know, so here's what's going on. He's a brother of mine in Christ, you know, and so, hey, dude, here's this thing. He wasn't saying anything. He was just dead silent while I was telling this story, so I gave him like this 10-minute sort of rundown of everything that was going on. And uh, Nate will do this often. You may see him do it. He has this pause where he sort of like stops and does like a, like, well, and then he hits you with it. And he'll probably do it today. Some of you know, so he, the band's like, I know what that is. Uh, so he listened, 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 listened. And he did one of those. And uh, he said this to me. He said, bro, he said, the call of God on your life must be so incredible He's like, I'm blown away with how much God wants to do in your life because he just saw like the turmoil and the ups and downs. He said, bro, he's like, I'm, he almost in a way like, I'm so excited that happened to you. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, that was like a make or break moment in my life and Nate made it. And I'm not saying it wasn't God who pushed us through after that, but the power of his words and belief in people really got us to where we are today. Uh, that was that was like a, a tipping point, and so please uh, just just give him your best attention and just really grasp everything he's communicating to you today, uh, because he's just a dear friend of ours. So please welcome Nate Mariocchi. Josh and Jess, thank you so much. You guys are so honoring, and I'm, okay, use this one is all right. Well. No, <laughs> you guys are so honoring, and it's, it's really an t- awesome honor to be here, to see so many friendly faces, so many familiar faces, and, and a bunch of new people, and it's also just a privilege to be on the board here. When, when Pastor Josh called me and said, hey, I'm thinking about planning a church, I mean, I might have been quiet again, like I am sometimes, but my inside was going, yes, 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 this is right, this is good, and you guys have... And I'm, you know, I know guest speakers, you know, are supposed to say this or whatever, but I know Josh and I know Jess and I'm, I know their family and I know who they are, know what they've been through. And I can say you have one of the best ministry couples in the world here planted here in Zealand. And I might even get emotional today. I've been emotional just seeing, even during worship a few times I had to stop singing because just seeing the fruition of God's call in your life. You know, this is just the beginning. I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg. But to see that, even in a small way this morning, I was just getting emotional just for you guys and just believe in you so much. And when I was praying for you guys um, earlier this week and praying about our gathering and praying for Vertical Church, the Lord immediately gave me the picture of a, of a large old oak tree. And we have one, uh, the church that I'm from, is in Rochester, Michigan, beautiful part of, of the Detroit area. There are beautiful parts in Detroit, believe it or not. Um, we live in one of them, and 
And there are, there are parts in Detroit that aren't beautiful yet, but they will be because the kingdom of God is advancing in that city. And I just declare that today in Jesus' name. But I, there's an oak tree behind our property at the church that I often in nice weather, which we get about two weeks a year, um, go back there and spend time with the Lord. And, and this is massive, old, gnarly oak. And you see, I mean, it reaches, I'm going to guess, 40 to 50 feet high. And the, the branches spread at least that wide. And what you see on the oak tree on the, on the surface or on the outside you don't see what's underneath. And you see, if you could see what was underneath, you would see roots that go at least as wide and as deep as the tree is tall. And the Lord, the Lord really began to speak to me about you, that you were going to experience seasons of rapid growth, followed by seasons of rapid depth, followed by seasons of rapid growth. And so that, I feel like, I just want to say that prophetically, I really prayed into it, and I, I believe that for Vertical Church, that there's going to be growth, but there, there won't be just rapid growth, and then that's all there is. There's going to be depth. And what I see is through the week, as you're meeting together, as you're praying together, as you're, you know, in homes and over coffee, there's roots that are going down. And the Lord is establishing you in this region to open, to swing wide the doors of the kingdom of heaven. The Lord has established you and is establishing you to open wide the doors of the kingdom of heaven. And that is a huge call on your life. It is, it is you guys are excellent people. You've done an excellent job, and, and you will continue to do that. You will grow in excellence. But even beyond that, there's a, and that's part of the kingdom, by the way, is excellence. But there, is, there are dimensions and levels of the kingdom that God absolutely wants to flow through you in this region. And it's going to take this incredible depth into him, but also into relationships with one another. So that is what God was speaking to me about. I, I hope that bears witness with you. I just submit that as a, as a board member, and I submit that as a brother in the Lord. And, and I just believe for incredible things out of this house. Can we just give God praise for that right now? Come on. I want to I take a second to um, introduce my band. Um, we didn't get a chance to in worship, so I just want to briefly introduce my band. Um, if you could just welcome my guitar player over here, Johnny. His lovely wife who is singing with us, Amber. Our drummer, uh, Matt Bradshaw. And the guy on bass. Looks like he's wearing a tactical outfit to, to take somebody out after the thing. It's Adam Saylor and his wife, Nicole. Also want to introduce my amazing, beautiful, can't believe I got her, hot wife, Catherine Marielke in the back. And my, my kids are around here somewhere. My little girl's probably coloring on some wall or, or, or doing something fun like that. And my little boy can't walk yet, so he's probably not coloring on a wall. So um, they're around here. Hopefully you get to see them afterwards. Um, I do want to mention we've got some music with us, a um, couple uh, different albums. We, we just recorded a brand new one a couple uh, weeks ago. That's not out yet. But if you want information on that, um, I'd like you to, if you could, just sign up and give your email 
in the back. By the way, I want to introduce my intern, who's uh, just done an excellent job, Maddie Hope, whose family is connected to this church. So welcome, Maddie, back there. Um, we do have a couple albums that we put out in the last few years. Um, would love if uh, you pick one up. It just helps us keep doing what we're doing. Also, I'm extremely excited because this week I just officially became a artist for Compassion International. And, yeah, yeah, that's, that's just been a dream. This has been a dream of mine forever. I've been sponsoring Compassion Children for the last 13 years, and um, I just believe in this, this ministry so much. They've, they've, they're sponsoring 1.3 million children around the world that otherwise would have no food, would have no clothing, would have no real access to the gospel of Jesus. And I love this ministry. And um, I've officially become a spokesperson, and this is my first event. Um, having compassion children. So if you all could help me have a good start, listen, 38 bucks a month, $38 a month, just over a dollar a day goes so far in the life of a little child who, like little Maria here who lives in Colombia, she lives in a country that's with high risk of child rights violations. And you know, um, I love this kind of stuff because this is the kingdom in action. You can literally right now today save a life you can literally right now today take a child who's in poverty, who may get trafficked, okay, into a safe compound that Compassion has built with pastors, with teachers, with leaders, with, with food and clothing, medic, medicine. Guys, 38 bucks a month, 38 bucks a month, cheaper than most of our cell phone bills, cheaper than some of our cable bills. 38 bucks a month, take care of a kid. If you want to do that, please sign up today. If you do that, I'll give away any of my CDs you want as my gift to you to thank you for sponsoring a child. All right, I want to jump in the word here. Um, oh, yeah. I need to introduce my uh, sound, sound tech, Dan Valentine, and Shelly Dale Valentine back there. Sorry, Dan. I want to jump right into the word um, this morning and... You guys have been in a series called I Am, and I want to flow right along with that. And the, the, I had this message all prepared that was going to be so great. It was packaged so well. I'd already delivered it, and I knew I delivered it a couple different times, and I knew the parts I needed to cut down. I knew the parts I needed to inflex my voice and all that kind of stuff, and it was going to be awesome. And uh, I got in the prayer room Thursday to work on this message, and the Lord said, you're not preaching that message. And I'm like, oh, really? Okay. So, but, but he downloaded something to me that I feel like is so important, and it's just one real brief topic that I just want us to, to get hammered home this morning because I believe it is the entryway into seeing the kingdom reality, the kingdom of God reality flow through in our lives. Are you ready for this? Let's pray together. God bless your word. Thank you for it. I thank you, God, that in this book, we see Jesus, that you are the word made flesh. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have absolutely inspired every word of this book, and we believe that today. And we thank you that this book is, is way more than just another writ. It's way more than just another group of ancient texts. It is the living and breathing word of God. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, I ask you to do what I cannot do, and that is touch every heart of the hearer and change us. Help us be more like you. Help us walk in your kingdom, walk in your ways. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Well, there have been a handful of holy moments in my life. I believe that we all have them. 
just moments where you know that heaven touched earth in that moment. You know, there's been a handful of those when I was four years old, the first one in a little tiny church that my dad pastored in Peck, Michigan. None of you have probably ever heard of that town. There's a reason for it because if you blink, you will miss it if you're driving by. You, you could hold your breath and, you know, not lose wind at all while you're driving through this town. Little tiny town and little, little tiny church. And Sunday nights, we would often have worship go and go and go. And, and there was one particular Sunday night when I was four years old that there just seemed to be a glow of God's presence about the place. Much like this morning, I've really felt and sensed the very nearness of God this morning. I hope you did. And much like this morning, but we just kept going and going and going. Nobody wanted to stop singing. And I was on the back row, um, and oftentimes I would just fall asleep during those Sunday night services as a little child. And, I mean, the sanctuary was probably half, maybe even a third the size of this building right here. And so God doesn't mind small places. God doesn't mind small places. And big things can come out of very small places. And I'm on the back row and I fell asleep and the music was going and I woke up and the music was still going, the worship was still going. There's that glow, that familiar warmth in the building. And I, and I looked up, I was laying on the ground. I looked up and there was a man above me. He had a, he had a salt and pepper hair, had a three-piece suit on. This back in those days of the three-piece suit in church. And um, now the standard attire for church is like jeans and a, and a button down, but it'll soon be like skinny jeans and high tops and I, V-necks, I don't know, <laughs> and hipster glasses. Anyway, where's Scott Hope? Anyway, um, <laughs> he's a hipster. He didn't know it, but he was. So there I am in the back row, and I look up, and I see this man in a three-piece suit, salt and pepper hair, and he's got a communion cup in his hand, in one hand and a communion wafer in the other, and he's standing there with these two elements lifted up like this, and his face is turned towards heaven, and tears, just an endless, seemed like an, to me in my mind as a little child, seemed like just an endless flow of tears were just streaming down his face and dripping off of his chin. And his mouth was open, and he had this look of just extreme ecstasy on his face, like he just was experiencing something so amazing and wonderful. And at that moment when I saw his face, I knew that God was real, and I knew that God was good. And that was the moment that my heart began to reach out to the Lord, that was a holy moment for me. And then at 12, when I was in the next church my dad pastored over in the Detroit area, and there was a guest speaker. I don't remember anything he said at all, but I just remember at the very end, he said, if you want more of God, step out of your seat and come forward. And my, my hands were clenched to the pew in front of me. I didn't want to look like a dork. I didn't want to look like, you know, a loser. All my friends were just kind of joking and cutting up, but there was something that God was just gripping in my heart. And I couldn't stay there. I had to break away from that pew. And as I began to walk down the aisle, I opened my mouth and I began to speak in a language that I didn't have before. And the, the Holy Spirit baptized me in his fire and gave me a prayer language. And that was a holy moment for me. And then when I was 20 in a worship service, when, when I, I heard the voice of the Lord almost audibly, almost audibly say, I'm going to call you. I'm going to give you a calling right now. And I, I waited and I stood there and he gave me some things that I was to do. It was a holy moment. And then the, even recently on my wedding day when I'm standing there and my friends around me in my suit, sweating, scared out of my mind, you know, can I be the man that I need to be for this woman? And 
as soon as I see her walk down the aisle through that, we were outside in this forest, and she came down this forest pathway. As soon as I saw her with her father, you know, this is a holy moment, that this is my bride. This is the one that God has linked me up with for my life. And that was a, just an incredible, holy moment. And then another holy moment for me is when I walked into a hospital a couple years ago, and we're, Catherine and I are foster parents with Oakland County in the Detroit area. We want to take care of as many kids as we can when we can. And we got a call there's a little baby in the hospital, and uh, we need you to, if you can, we need you to pick her up. Her parents have abandoned her there. And we went to the hospital all excited. You know, what is this baby going to look like? Are we going to be able to keep this baby? You know, does this, is this baby going to need to go back to a parent or back to a relative? You know, and there's all these, these things, these emotions happening as we're walking through the corridors of that hospital. And we turn the corner and walk into the room, and I knew immediately which one she was. And our little Rama, seven days old, she picked up her little head. I mean, so strong at seven days old, picked up her little head and just began to stare at us. And I went over and I picked her up and I knew she would be my little girl. I just knew that she would be my daughter. And we adopted her just over a year ago um, into our family as our own. And the last holy moment that I want to talk about, and you know, I know that some of you can are familiar with some of these, and, and you, you may bear witness to experiencing some of these things, you know, wedding day, children, you know, meeting God. There's, there's holy moments for every one of us. And the last holy moment that I want to talk about was the miracle that God performed in mine and Catherine's life when we were married for a year, and we weren't, we weren't getting pregnant. We wanted to, and went to the doctor, and the doctor, the first report was, you'll never have children. Uh, second report was maybe, but it's going to be difficult. You're going to have to go through all these treatments. And we started to go down that road of treatments. And, you know, if you're dealing with that today, Kat and I know the heartbreak of that. And we want, I want to tell you that the Lord is a healer even today. And, and he can and will touch you in that area of your life. And um, I just want to declare healing over that. And, and, and I want to declare just um, fertility over this house in Jesus' name. And so we're going through all this stuff and and. We, we were going to begin treatments, and, um, and uh, we decided at the last minute not to. We just felt from the Holy Spirit not to, and that's when a little, our little girl came into our lives, so we forgot all about it, and one day as we're in the process of adoption, because it takes several, several months, in the process of adoption, I come home, and my wife says, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. And, and just the Lord just did such a wonderful thing for us. And so the day that my, my little boy was born, was a holy moment. He came, came out of the womb, and, you know, those of you that have been there and experienced, you know, screaming, he's all, he's all a mess, and they put him over in the little thing. They start, there's like, five, there's like three people, like robots, just cleaning him up as fast as they can. It was so surreal. And they said, Dad, you can come on over. And he's, his little hands are reaching up in the air, just, you know, barely able to control him because he's so young, and screaming at the top of his lungs. And I walk over there to see my son, and I say, hey, son, Daddy's here. And he just reaches up, he grabs my thumb, and he quiets right down. And he just stares me in the eye, and we just look at each other for several minutes, connecting with each other for the first time outside of the womb. Holy moments. There's something about a son. There's something about a little boy that fills your home with just something so special. And I want to tell you today that each and every one of us have already had a son because the prophet Isaiah years ago in, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 said, 
For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We all have a son in our lives, and I, and, and I want to talk to you today about I am the Son of God. That God specifically wanted to reveal himself as a son to us. That he sent to us himself as a son, a family relationship. You know, he could have come as a conqueror. He could have come and said, you know, I'm the king of kings. I'm going to set up my rule here. Now he is the king of kings, and he has set up his rule, but he came in the form of a son, a relationship, a son. You know, he, could have, he was a prophet. He could have came up and said, I'm a prophet. I've got this message, and I'm going to prophesy over the land. And he did do that, and he was that, but he never called himself a prophet, but he did call himself a son. He, came as a, he was a holy man. Everybody recognized him as the Messiah of Israel, the one that would save Israel, but he never called himself a holy man, but he did call himself a son. So there's something about that revelation of God as the son that is so powerful and pertinent to us today. See, John 3.16, I know that your pastor preached on this verse last weekend. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. See, John says that this son brings something with him, eternal life, but not just life. He does bring us salvation from hell in the afterlife. And you've got to know Jesus. I'm one of those guys that still believes you have got to put your faith and hope in Jesus to be saved. I'm one of those guys that still believes that you need to come into contact with a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Surrender yourself to him. Say and repent your sins to him and ask him to do what you can't do and that's forgive you. I'm one of those guys that still believes that. But he did more than just save us from death and hell. He came to give us eternal life here on the earth as well. He came to open up the doors of the kingdom. See, Isaiah said, John said he brings eternal life. Isaiah prophesied that he would bring a kingdom and a government that wouldn't end. Isaiah prophesied that when he came, a government would be established, a kingdom would be established that would never end. See, the ancient prophets prophesied that four great kingdoms would come to the earth. Four great kingdoms would envelop the earth, that there would be the, um, the Babylonian empire that would rule the earth, and then after them, the Persian empire, the Greek empire, then the Roman empire. And then the ancients prophesied that a fifth kingdom would come to the earth, and that this kingdom would not fall. This kingdom would not end, but it would grow and expand forever. That it literally would never end. That there would be never a time that this kingdom would be overthrown. There would be never a time that this kingdom would fail in any way, shape, or form. This kingdom will expand forever. So right at the end of the Roman Empire, there comes a baby born of a virgin, and he grows into a man, and he is baptized in water. And when he's baptized in water, he goes into the wilderness and fasts for 40 days and nights, and he comes out of the wilderness, and he has one message, repent, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The minute that Jesus Christ stepped onto the God wrapped in flesh, Jesus Christ stepped onto this earth, the kingdom of God was birthed. 
And the Bible makes it clear. The word of God says to us that this kingdom will never end. And I want to be clear this morning that this is not a kingdom that is far away. This is not a kingdom that is, you know, just beyond where the Hubble telescope can see. You know what I'm saying? It is something that is here that is now. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So wherever there's righteousness, peace, and joy, God's kingdom is expanding. Wherever there's not those things, the kingdom of God invades those areas and brings righteousness to Christ, peace with God through Christ, and overflowing joy because we know that we're loved by God. But he does this through the Son. He does this through the Son. The book of Hebrews says that many times and in various ways and through various means, through the prophets, I'm not even getting it, let me, let me read it. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son. But don't miss this, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. This is the alpha and the omega, the first and the last. He mentions that Jesus was there, the word of God made flesh that created the universe, that started this whole thing, and he's there at the end. That he is the heir of all things. And this kingdom is an eternal kingdom. And the message that Jesus declared, repent, He wasn't saying everybody needs to fall on their face and do sackcloth and ashes. All he was saying was, you know what? You better change some stuff because there's a new kingdom in town. There's a new king in town. We better rethink some things. You better, let's let's get some things straightened around because there's a whole new way of order that's happening on the earth. If you want to be a part of it, you've got to step in line with it. So God's kingdom is here and is now and has been growing for the last 2,000 years. But why does poverty, divorce, and heartache and pain still exist? God's kingdom is here. Because God has left it up to us. God has left it up to us to possess the kingdom. This was always his model, even in the Old Testament and the Old Covenant. When God called his people into the promised land, he didn't just to destroy all the enemies and say, okay, now just enjoy your lives. That land was still possessed by enemies of God, an enemy of God's people. They had to possess it. Same today. Now, our warfare is different. It's not with guns and knives and bullets. Our warfare is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So why I get excited about church plants And why I'm excited about vertical church is because whenever a church gets embedded in a community with a true man and woman of God at the helm with apostolic authority, true apostolic authority, which I believe you absolutely, without a doubt, have here. Whenever that happens, I'm sorry I'm showering the first row with my spitting. (laughs) I'm going to have to put up like some plexiglass or something tonight. Yeah, put that drum cage up right, right here. But whenever you have that embedded in the community, what happens is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost begin to flow. So you guys are a part of something way bigger than just a butt in the seat on a Sunday morning. Way bigger. This thing can break wide open and the gates of heaven can swing wide open and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church because of the sun. But we need to understand, and I'm I'm totally run out of the time, so I'm cutting a lot of stuff down. 
But um, now the kingdom, it's interesting that Jesus came and he didn't call himself a king. He was the king and is the king. He called himself a son, family relationship. The kingdom could be seen not just as a kingdom, but as a family. And that is the beautiful thing about how God does it. It's all about family. See, Romans chapter 8, verse 19 says that for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. This blows my mind. This verse right here blows my mind. That creation, trees, plants, animals, flowers, they're waiting for the sons of God to be revealed because a curse has come upon the land. This is a familiar story, even in all of our fairy tales and in our culture, right? Like the kingdom of darkness and there's the princess locked in the tower and the the castles become all dark and dank and musty and some evil Lord is ruling the castle. But then there's this, some young man who doesn't even realize he's the true king and he's out in the forest somewhere cutting down trees with a dwarves or something. And, you know... (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? It's, it's in our stories. And, and, he, and he, some prophet or some wise man comes to him or some animal talks to him and says, hey, you're more than just this woodcutting guy. You, you actually have a destiny on your life to go dispossess that castle and bring back light and love and joy to the kingdom. You know what? You are not so far from that story. You are in that story. You are the guy in the woods, you know, You are that guy, and you have something so big inside of you, and you can dispossess darkness and bring light. And it doesn't have, listen, we have a tendency to think it's just the Reinhard Bonkies of the world or the big evangelists of the world that preach in front of millions of people in Africa. They're the ones that are doing the real work, right? No, it's not that at all. Every single one of us in the place that we have been called have got to be the children of God that he's called us to be. That you're in that story. That is who you are as the church of the living God. You are called to bring light. And it can happen every day. It can happen if you did, I mean, you know, picking up a child through compassion. What you did is you just dispossessed darkness in a child's life. And you brought light. But creation's waiting for us to step into our fullness as not warriors of God, not prophets of God, not mighty men and women of God, but what does it say? Sons. And you can say da- include daughters in that. The Bible says sons, but sons and daughters. The people that do the greatest exploits for God are sons and daughters. They know that they're sons and daughters of the living God. So how do we do this? Say, hey, that's all great, Nate. That sounds like this big, huge thing. And you know what? I'm changing 15 diapers a day, and I'm trying to scrape macaroni and cheese off the bottom of my saucepan. You know, that sounds great. But, you know, how does this fit into real life? Listen, it happens through revelation. Now, hear me here. It happens through you knowing who you are in Christ. And, man, I could sit here for two hours. I I promise you I could sit here for two hours and just scratch the surface of teaching you about who you are in Christ because it's so much more than most of us realize. I want to tell you something right now. When I begin to realize, when I, and this is just recent for me. I've been in church all my life. I knew God loved me. You know, I, I, I kind of knew God loved me. I kind of felt like he kind of put up with me. You know what I'm saying? You ever been there? Like, 
you know, he loves me because he, he's love. Like, he's God. He has to love. Like, all the, all the buttons and the bumper stickers say God is love. So, like, you know, he's got to do that. That's, like, his job description. I kind of felt like he loved me in a, in a sense, far away sense. But, you know, he kind of put up with me because I was so sinful and so struggling with this and doing that. And I didn't pray enough. I didn't do this enough. I didn't, you know, all that stuff that we all deal with. Some of you can identify. But something happened a few years ago where I began to realize that when Jesus said it was finished on the cross, he meant that all of my sin, all of my struggles, all of anything that would ever hold me back was finished 2,000 years ago. And not only did he die on the cross so that I could go to heaven and be free one day, he died on the cross so that I could literally swing wide the gates of the kingdom of heaven open down here on this planet earth. Come on, somebody. And as a direct result of that, I began to step out in faith. And the first time I saw, well, not the first time, but I began to step out in faith. And there was a woman, we were, in, we were touring in Germany. I tell this story because it builds faith. We are touring in Germany, and we were doing concert tours, and this woman came in, these, uh, this unbelieving woman came in with some of her friends, and she was completely deaf. Like, totally deaf, couldn't hear anything. She read lips. She read lips in German. And her friends were there and said, hey, this, this is our friend. She's deaf, and she doesn't believe that there's a God. And before I realized what I was saying, before I realized what I was saying, I said, you tell your friend that by the time she leaves this place, she will have her hearing back. And I was like, I, and all of a sudden, like, fear hit my heart, Pastor Josh. I was like, what did I just say? What did I get myself into? And I don't recommend we do that. This was like a... Like, the Spirit of God just rose up in me, and this happened. You know, I didn't, I didn't do that. Whatever. Pastor Josh can clean up any mess here. So. <laughs> so before you leave, you're, you're going to get your hearing, hearing back. And so we do this concert. We do, I preach a word, and, and I have people come up who need healing. And God was just really doing that in my heart at the time. And I see that woman, I made a beeline for her, put, her, put my hands on her ears, said, in Jesus' name, ears, you open. And I, I moved on and prayed for some other folks. And then about a half an hour later, she's off to the side. Maybe 15 minutes later, she's off to the side. She's got this real quizzical look on her face, said, what's going on? I said, I'm hearing stuff in the distance. I haven't heard for years, but I'm hearing stuff in the distance. And I said, well, I told her the story about how God, how Jesus put mud on a man's eyes, and he got a partial healing. And then Jesus prayed again. We, we laid hands on her again. We said, ears be open in Jesus' name. Before that night was over, her hearing was completely restored. She had a hearing in both of her ears. That caused the faith of a young family who's dear friends of mine, actually a, a Muslim man who gave his life to Jesus in a radical way at one of our concerts. And I don't even have time to tell that story, but it's amazing. And um, now you guys are like, hey, tell the story. I'll tell it tonight. How about that? Come back, bring a friend. I'll tell that story tonight, Okay. Help me remember that. I, gotta, I made a promise. I've got to tell that story tonight. So, um, so anyway, that gave them faith. Their little daughter had been diagnosed with, with she only had 30% of hearing in one ear and total hearing loss in the other. She had the doctor's note. She had the doctor's diagnosis that she had hear, hearing loss. They, they were crying. They said God was touching them. They brought their baby up. We said, in Jesus' name, ears be open. I'm telling you what. What do you think happened? They went back to the doctor. Total hearing in both ears. Jesus is still alive. And you know what it came as? A result of not my discipline, not my working harder. It was just a result of I believe, I believe 
that Jesus, the Son of God, dwells inside of me. His Holy Spirit is in me. And what was accomplished at the cross was already done. It was finished. Amen? So I'm going to boil it down in this one thing, guys. This is the takeaway. Before Jesus performed one miracle, before he preached one message, before he did anything that we would consider ministry-minded or ministry-like, he was baptized. And when he was baptized, a voice from heaven, from the Father, said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. He hadn't done one thing in the ministry. He hadn't saved the world. He hadn't seen one person come back to God. For all we knew, he was building chairs and tables in his dad's workshop. That's what he was doing. And hanging out, having friends. But God's heart for him is the foundation of his whole ministry. God's heart for us is the foundation for our whole lives and our whole ministry. One of my favorite authors of the New, in the New Testament is John the Revelator who wrote the book of Revelation, that great apocalyptic book that it's like the only book we make movies out of in, as a Christians. I don't know why. But John the Revelator, and he also wrote the Gospel of John, and he wrote three letters in the epistles. And John, this powerful apostle, in the book, in the Gospel of John, he, he refers to himself not as his own name, but he refers to himself only as this, the disciple whom Jesus loved. He lost his identity in the love of God. Some of us need to lose our identity in the fact that we are loved. Not, we don't, our identity is not in what we do. I don't have, you know what? My identity is not what I do. I am not Nate the psalmist or Nate the songwriter, singer. I do those things. But I, first and foremost, I am Nate, the beloved of God. And that's where all real life comes out of. Johnny, if you would come up and begin to play. See, God gave me this little phrase, and I hope it helps you. God sent his only begotten son so that many sons could be gotten. Let me say it again. God sent his only begotten son so that many sons could be gotten. Now, there's only one begotten son of God. There's only one great I am. It's him. It's Jesus. He says, I am the son of God. He means he is the son of God. But because of Christ and through Christ, I can say, I am a son of God. Ladies, you can say, I am a daughter of God. Before you do anything else, before you do anything great for the kingdom, you are a son or a daughter of God. In fact, talking about great things for the kingdom, Mother Teresa said this. She said, there's, no, there's nothing great done for God. God's not impressed with our ministry. He made the world in six days out of nothing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But there's only small things done with great love. And we can't do those things unless we know that we are loved. And so my message for you today is God wants to swing wide the kingdom through your lives. But first of all, he wants to swing wide the kingdom to your lives. And the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. But it's through the Son. Through understanding and knowing and believing in the Son of God.